Welcome to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. On today's show, we're going to hear about the new cyber coordination cell of the Minnesota National Guard, get an update from the uh, MACV, Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans, and check in with the Minneapolis VA healthcare system. But first, it's time for Generally Speaking, a weekly message from the Adjutant General of the Minnesota National Guard, Major General Sean Mankey. The Minnesota National Guard has long trained for emergency contingencies when civilian authorities call for help. We have trained for severe flooding, out-of-control wildfires, and search and rescue missions. Now our airmen and soldiers are training for a new threat. Cyber warfare is an internet-based conflict involving politically motivated attacks on information and information systems. Cyber warfare attacks can disable official websites and networks, disrupt or disable essential services, steal or alter classified data, and cripple financial systems. The Minnesota National Guard has full-time staff whose job is to track cyber issues and keep us ahead of a cyber attack. We have also identified traditional drilling members of the force who are capable of being called up to fight a cyber attack or cyber-triggered emergency. Such an emergency would require a coordinated response across multiple levels of government. We are continuing to work with other state, local, and federal agencies to develop our interoperability and plans for various scenarios. I am proud to tell you that your Minnesota National Guard continues to conduct cyber response rehearsals annually, ensuring that as threats like these evolve, we are always ready, always there. Thank you, General Mankey. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. Lieutenant Colonel Brian Morgan uh, is currently the Cyber Coordination Director and Intelligence Officer at Joint Force Headquarters in St. Paul, Minnesota for the Minnesota National Guard. And, uh, Colonel, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Hey, thanks for having me, Tom. Sir, I think you've uh, you've changed jobs since you were on a few years ago during the pandemic. Yeah, that's right. I was the uh, commander of the Cyber Protection Team back then and now uh, leading the Cyber uh, Coordination Cell up at Joint Force Headquarters. So. Can you explain how that's different? Uh, to me, it sounds pretty similar. Yeah, they're pretty similar in thought. So the the cyber coordination cell that we're doing, and we'll get into this more later, we're, we're a coordination element that really looks at, you know, establishing relationships with external uh, partners within the state and federal um, capacity. And the cyber protection team itself is actually a team of about 40 cyber operators. So that's where the rubber meets the road, so to speak, was on the cyber protection team, whereas the cyber coordination cell is just like a strategy development and coordination cell. And, of course, an important factor here is that for the Minnesota National Guard, you have a a federal duty and you have a state duty. When you're called to active duty to go on deployments like to the Middle East, that's that's, uh, working for the nation. But here in Minnesota, if uh, the governor calls you up and, and there's some type of an emergency, you've got partners all over the state that you have to work with, and I'm assuming that plays into your new position as the cyber coordination. Yeah, that, that's 100% right, Tom. So uh, you brought a couple of members of your team with you. Uh, Colonel, would you like to introduce them? Yeah, absolutely. To my right is um, Lieutenant Nikki Wise. Uh, she is a—oh, go ahead, Nikki. Go ahead and introduce yourself, please. Yeah, absolutely. So Lieutenant Wise here, part of the Cyber Coordination Cell. I am the planner of the C3, as we like to call it. And with my role, uh, just looking to the future as well as organizing and planning what we have on the tasks right now, day in and day out. Um, So it's a really exciting role. Uh, Excited to be a part of the team. Thanks, Nikki. And then uh, to the right of her, we have Mr. Mark O'Reilly. Hi there. My name is Warrant Officer 1, Mark O'Reilly. I am the program developer for the Cyber Coordination Cell. And part of what I do is make the thing happen. So whatever requirements or lines of effort 
that the kernel addresses. Uh, I'm looking to kind of make sense of numbers and digits and, and put that in human form so that the kernel can make the executive knowledge informed decision. And so our listeners understand the colonel and the warrant officer are part of the Army National Guard and the second lieutenant is part of the Air National Guard. Mm-hmm. Second lieutenant, happy to have you in the studio. I'd like to have a fellow Air Force person in there. Yeah. Thanks, Tom. Yep. Sir, uh, I just want to get into one little detail. Uh, the Army has warrant officers and the Air Force doesn't. Right. But the warrant officers have a tendency to stay within uh, one position and one kind of a specialized area for a long period of time because officers come and go and NCOs come and go and they're kind of the stabilizing force, aren't they? That's right. Yeah. By design, the officers are moved around every, you know, two to four years. And then the warrant officers are allowed to sort of stay in place and grow and be the subject matter experts for their field. So we're very lucky to have a warrant officer on our team because Marco is looked at as not just a program developer, He's also a highly technical and skilled cyber warrant officer that is actually a member of our 177th cyber protection team on the traditional guard side as well. So over the next decade, people may come and go as part of this cyber coordination cell, but he's going to be right there and, and have all, you know where all the bodies are buried. He's going to have all of the experience and be able to help future officers. I sure hope so. You've got a big job to do, warrant officer. That's right, Tom. <laughs> Take good notes because you're going to be there for a while. <laughs> Sir, uh, can you tell me the cyber coordination sh- cell? It's it's new. We had the, we heard the adjutant general talk about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think everybody in business and of course certainly in the military are worried about protecting uh, all of all of the stuff that's on the internet, exposed to online, and and that must be a big part of what you have to accomplish for on behalf of the Minnesota National Guard. Yeah, that's right. So you know, as we move forward into the future rapidly, people are sort of understanding now that the vulnerabilities we've uh, been sitting on for years and years are, are being exploited by all sorts of people from across the world. You know, cyber criminals, we have hacktivism, we have nation state actors. Every day, if you go to the news, even on major news outlets, you'll see articles and reports of cyber attacks, ransomware, um, breaches, you know, all sorts of bad stuff, which can have real implications, not just for data safety and data privacy, but also for like health and safety. When we're talking uh, hospitals, if a hospital gets locked up for ransomware uh, and doctors are unable to access patient records, that can lead to uh, critical services not being provided. So the reality we live in is a pretty fraught one. And so in the National Guard side of the house, you know, our, our mission is to you know, support the state and support the federal government when asked, but primarily support the state via the tag and governor. So the Adjutant General d- defines what, we, what our lines of effort are, and one of our lines of effort uh, and his priorities is, is cyber. And so, you know, we provide a critical service at the state level. So, Lieutenant, I want to follow up with a question from you. I understand from my notes here that that uh, you're not a cyber response force, but you're in the business of planning, coordination, and strategy development to help deal with issues as they come up? That's right, Tom. Yep. So in my role as a planner, I am planning and making sure that we're ready to go if a cyber response were to be needed. So with my specific role, I do anything from managing the funds to making sure we have training and tabletop exercises, uh, different symposiums and leadership exercises for our cyber forces, and really making sure that we have those opportunities available and make sure that those training opportunities are there so when an incident happens, we're ready to go. So are you monitoring uh, incidents across the, guard, across the country to see what's happened there to make sure that you're ready? Not formally, Tom, but uh, just day-to-day 
news and as Intel comes in, we do we do track that, but not in a formal sense where we have a full-on system that's taking in that data. But as individuals, yes, we're always, of course, watching the news, making sure we're up on what's going on in the world just in case. Every day, very good. Yep. Uh, we have to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the Minnesota National Guard Cyber Coordination Cell on Minnesota Military Radio. Please stay with us. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've been talking to the Minnesota National Guard's Cyber Coordination Cell. Uh, and we have in the studio with us Lieutenant Colonel Brian Morgan, Second Lieutenant Nicolette Weiss from the Air National Guard, and uh, Warrant Officer 1, Mark O'Reilly. Uh, Colonel, I wanted to ask you, uh, one of our uh, general officers in the Minnesota National Guard, General Clyborne, uh, I understand was involved in, in the cyber business nationally for the Guard Bureau. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not even just for Guard Bureau, either. Uh, general Clyborne was the Deputy Commanding General of the Cyber Center of Excellence down at Fort Eisenhower. It used to be known as Fort Gordon, which is the school that produces all of the cyber officers and warrant officers for the Army uh, for all branches of service, not just National Guard, active duty as well. Oh, so Minnesota's right at the at the front line again. Leading the charge, and and uh, that's got to be good for you when you're when you're trying to get access to information and material, and try to determine. You just stood up this cyber coordination cell. That's a job in of, of itself, isn't it? Yes, sir. You know, we came online in October of last year. Um, it's a net new capacity for the state. We're we're actually state military funded, so our money comes from the state legislature, uh, and and uh, you know not some federal source. So yeah, we came in online in October. We've been around for about four months now and um, we've got a lot of work left to do, but we've been making good progress so far. So Lieutenant Weiss, uh, how's it been coming on as a planner for a brand new team? Yeah, Tom, it's been great. Uh, it's been a lot of learning, uh, a lot of ongoing projects. So we have are essentially building this team, as you mentioned, from the ground up. Uh, it's a brand new initiative, Cyber Coordination Cell. So it's been really exciting being at the forefront of that and really creating that strong foundation because that's what the rest of our cyber response is going to be built off of. So it's been awesome. And Warren Officer Riley, uh, ostensibly you're going to be with this cell for a long time. Uh, what are your responsibilities other than helping set the base and keeping track of the history of the unit and, and where we're going? Yes, sir. So part of my hope is to embed with a lot of our peers, uh, government and other military uh, cyber teams to kind of learn the tricks of the trade to bring that home and to reassess, hey, is this scalable in-house? Can we do this with Minnesota troopers? Very good. I want to come back to you, Lieutenant. Uh, do you have specific projects or partnerships that you're working on? There's other state agencies, I'm assuming, that when something happens, you have to go to work with. There sure are, Tom. Yes, we have a lot of ongoing projects. So, of course, uh, you can't have the military without budgets. So one of our projects is we have a fund that we manage when it comes to cyber training and overseeing that, making sure that our forces are ready to go when it comes to those cyber responses. Uh, additionally, we do have some other projects. Uh, one of them is the Cyber Symposium, which is really exciting. That's August 3rd, and that will be a combination of our Army and Air Force components coming together. So that's a huge project that I'm overseeing. And, of course, uh, we have partners anywhere from Minute, which is a huge partner with us. Uh, we collaborate with them on number of different responses and IT issues. And then, of course, you have FBI, uh, CISA, uh, DHS, um, a number of other partners. But those are some of our main main partnerships that we, we continue to foster and grow. Colonel, listening to the lieutenant there, there's a, there's a whole bunch of work to do, and, and you're gonna, it's going to take some time to get organized. 
Yeah, well, we've we've done a good job of that so far, Tom, and we're just looking to help capitalize on some of the gains we've made so far. You know, the relationships for us are, are key. Knowing what our role is as the National Guard in relation to our federal partners, the FBI, right, their, their cyber action team, the, the CISA team, um, the MINUT team, the Minnesota IT Services team, which is a huge player for providing um, IT services for the state. You know, we see ourselves being a, in a supporting role to them for any incident response more likely than not going forward in the future. So, you know, building on those relationships has been key, but also looking inward at the National Guard level, the things we're doing to help provide and professionalize services for the National Guard in terms of officer branch management, uh, budget management for training and retention of our cyber forces, and then, you know, furthermore, just making sure that everyone feels like, uh, you know, it's a professional force, right? Because we're looked at as professionals, so we have to make sure we meet that bar. Got to get it done right, sir. That's right. Warren Officer Riley, uh, the Army National Guard, as I've learned over the last 14 years, has armories all over the state. So we've got units all over the state, and cyber affects all of them. How, do you get involved in in communicating with the with the rest of the Army National Guard in Minnesota? Uh, well, sir, I am on the cyber protection team, and so p- part of that mission is standing up an incident response. Um, task force. So part of how we train as a cyber protection team is we kind of like to role play and and gamify an event. And so in relation to other guard units, you know, we are always looking to recruit and augment those numbers to bolster our team. Um, But really we interface uh, best from the exercise perspective when we're able to kind of simulate what an actual cyber event would look like and how we would respond to that. And so with that model, as a maybe a recruiting tool, I think that may be enough to draw in, you know, young cyber professionals who are in the guard who may be looking for a place to use those skills. Uh, this uh, the the one seventy seventh cyber protection team may be a good place to do that. Very good, Colonel. I want to ask you: communications is 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 everything, and I know that the adjutant general has all his commanders in for. I think it's called a commander's call. There's an acronym for it. I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Do you get an opportunity to present to them and and talk to them about cyber protection and and what you're doing? Well, yeah, absolutely. It's funny you mentioned that. I have to have to have to brief our uh, adjutant general next uh, next Thursday. <laughs> so uh, we do get opportunities to get in front of the um, the top brass, if you will, to explain kind of what we're up to and what we're looking to do next and how we're posturing and strategizing for future um, future impact. So yeah, we do get a chance to get in front of them. And occasionally, I suppose there's some hot items. Here's what we're seeing going on, and here's how you combat it. And if you if you have people that have questions, get a hold of us. Well, right. I mean, part of our job is to make sure that there's assurances that we are preparing in the right ways, and that means uh, ensuring that our forces are trained and equipped to do whatever we may be needed to do. Which, in the state of the National Guard, is anything, right? The, if the governor says go, we pick up and go, and we have to be ready for for any contingency. And sir, one of the other things we've talked about quite often was uh, Camp Ripley and. The fact that uh, the Minnesota National Guard's up there, but uh, Homeland Security's up there, the state patrol's up there, everybody's up there. And one of the things they talk about is meeting with the other federal and state agencies that you may have to work with going forward. And some of that is meeting with them before there's a, a hot issue instead of just trading uh, business cards when and when now we got to fix something. So do you get an opportunity to meet with some of those agencies and just get to know your counterparts? Yeah, absolutely. It's one of our primary objectives. Uh, and since we were incepted in October, we've gone on, on engagements, we call them, almost weekly, actually multiple times a week. And, uh, yeah, that's something we, we intend to continue on for the existence of the team. It's, it's absolutely paramount that we maintain strong relationships with those partners. 
Uh, sir, we're almost out of time. Uh, before we run out of time, I'd like to thank Warrant Officer uh, Mark O'Reilly and Second Lieutenant Nicolette Weiss for joining us. And, sir, uh, for all our listeners out there, if they're involved in cyber, everybody is these days, and they want to get some training, they want to join the military, find the military family, what would you have to say to them? I'd say go to your local recruiter and tell them you're interested in joining the National Guard. That's step number one. Um, once you're in the National Guard, uh, you can ask to go cyber. If you've got particular skills or you're able to, you know, you're going to college for computer science, something of that nature, or you've got just self-taught skills, we're interested in having you on the team. Uh, there is a need always in this emerging domain for, for expertise. So come on in to the Guard system, and we'll, we'll make a home for you. Colonel, <laughs> thanks for coming in today with your team. You're welcome. Thanks for having us, Tom. That was Lieutenant Colonel Brian Morgan, Second Lieutenant Nicolette Weiss, and Warrant Officer Mark O'Reilly from Minnesota National Guard Cyber Coordination Cell. Welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. In a moment, we're going to get an update from MACV. But first, it's time for the Commissioner's Corner, a weekly update from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. Now here's Commissioner Brad Lindsay. Are you or do you know a veteran at risk of experiencing homelessness? Are you also having difficulty functioning in your daily life due to your health, a disability, or problems with substance use? Are these difficulties limiting your ability to work so much that it is impacting your life and your family? If so, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs can help through a program called SOAR. SOAR is changing the lives of at-risk veterans, helping them access sustainable income and stable housing by applying for federal funds available through the Social Security Administration. Social Security disability benefits can help cover housing costs, assist with needed health care, as well as help in making ends meet for veterans and their families. A SOAR representative will handle everything from preparing the paperwork to assisting with appeals, representing the veteran throughout the entire process, all at no cost. For more information about the SOAR program or to refer someone, call 1-888-LINKVET. Thank you, Commissioner Lindsay. For more information, please go to minnesotamilitaryradio.com. The Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans, referred to as MACV, is a veteran-focused nonprofit organization providing services and support to end veteran homelessness in Minnesota. And Neil Lloydholt is the president and CEO of the Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans and also a retired major general from the Minnesota National Guard. General, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Hey, thanks for having me again, Tom. Really appreciate it. Sir, I'd like to spend just a couple of minutes. Uh, you spent many years in the military and had quite a career. Division commander, I mean, you started out enlisted and went all the way up through the ranks. It's crazy, isn't it? People that know me still can't believe it. <laughs> well, sir, <laughs> some that know you aren't surprised either because you, you've gone a long way. Uh, how many years did you serve? Uh, 34. Just lucky that it coincided with the last good tour I had, which was division commander of the 34th Red Bull Division. Well, that's a, we've talked about that division over and over on this show, and it's, it goes back to World War II. It goes all a lot further back than that, but served more days in actual combat in World War II than any other unit. Yes, it did. And yep. it's, it's, uh, it's quite an organization that's still out there doing top-notch shelf, isn't it? It is right now. It's, it's doing its good work right now. Getting ready for deployment to the Middle East. and. Uh, I think there's just a few days of training left, and off they'll go. And they've been there before, and they know what to do, and they're going to do a great job. Of That's it. right. Well, sir, uh, a few years back, I think it was uh, 2017, you were winding down your career, and, and uh, I remember you came over, and you and I had a little chat one day about 
uh, either going into the world of for-profit business or, or going into the world of nonprofit. And you made a choice uh, to go into nonprofit. What what all went into that choice, and how come you chose that size of the equation? Yeah, well, I, I really thought that that would be the best opportunity, Tom, for maybe me to use the network that I already had, uh, maybe for me to be able to use contacts in Minnesota to help people who hadn't been as fortunate as me. You know, I made enough mistakes in my career, but I always had somebody to put me back on the right track or help me or um, or advise me on what I should do different. And most of the veterans we help, you know, over a thousand and some this year, they just didn't have that. And, uh, and then when they needed some help, it wasn't there. So when I was faced with an opportunity to, you know, go sell soap or, or maybe help other service members, I was like, you know what? And I was fortunate enough to be in a spot where I could do that. I'm like, I'm going to go help service members. And, sir, I'd just like to comment, I, I've met a lot of retired general officers uh, on the show over the last 14 years, and they have one thing in common, it is they're all still interested in taking care of their troops. Yeah, well, it, you you train and live and work that way for that long, it becomes who you are. Not a thing you do, it's who you are. Who you are. And, and so can you tell us, why did you choose uh, MACV, the Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans, and, and what's the mission over there? Well, you know, I mentioned just a little bit about why I chose it. Probably the the secondary reason, Tom, is it was a a small organization with limited impact, and I had a board. The board that hired me said, hey, we want to do more with this organization. We we want to help more veterans. We want to end veteran homelessness. And so that that was very intriguing to me. Um, So we started early, uh, changed the mission, ending veteran homelessness. No qualifiers to that, either before or after it, and built a plan uh, to be able to do that. So from 30 employees, I think I was the 31st employee, Tom, in 2017 to, you know, our most recent uh, full-time staff count is at 140. But that's what it's taken to um, end homelessness in eight of the 10 continuums. That's how the feds keep track of, you know, where our veterans are and leave us with two remaining homeless veterans in Hennepin and Ramsey County. And, sir, uh, just observing what you've been doing for the last few years, you went back and recruited some of the people that you served with in the military with. Well, you got to have good talent, Tom. If you can't do it yourself, you got to hire the right people, right people to help you. But you make a good point, which is you also have to have the right infrastructure. You can't just have people on the ground writing checks to veterans if you don't have the supports for them, if you don't have some admin and some personnel, some HR and a little bit of operations. And so that's also part of why we're able to do what we do. So the first order of business was build your team. And then, of course, you had to raise some money and then had to figure out all kinds of things. How do we how do we accomplish the mission to try to eliminate veterans homelessness here in Minnesota? Yep. And and it's the great team that does it. You know, I'm fortunate enough to be the guy on the radio and the guy on TV and the guy in front of somebody else. But it's the 70 percent of our organization that deals directly with veterans every single day that builds housing plans and solves crises and drives people to places they need to be. That's what's making the difference. That team right there makes the difference. We're speaking with Neil Lloyd Holt, President and CEO of Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans on Minnesota Military Radio. So, sir, when you got there in 2017, you just had a handful of employees. And, and what was the situation with the homeless veterans? There, I, As I recall, there were a lot of them at that time, and we maybe didn't even know how many. Well, I think we didn't know for sure how many. Um, and early on, um, the homeless veteran registry was changing, and hats off to the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs and the great team that now works for Commissioner Lindsay, who puts that roster together and tries to ensure its integrity. 
But, you know, we had at our peak over some place in that transition you just talked about, over 400 homeless veterans on the registry right around in the middle of the pandemic. Um, We're down to 255. So the ability to know the number is the thing that, you know, decision makers use to allocate resources, hire staff, build new programs um, to be able to take care of the group that we weren't taking care of. We're, We're doing very well with one group, but we needed to have some special programs for some other groups. So, sir, I remember uh, before 2017 when we had anyone on from MACV, we were talking about stand-downs. They had several of them around the state, and they used to have hundreds of homeless veterans in there. Has the need for that gone down as you've eliminated some of that the homelessness? Well, I, I'd like to say, Tom, that w- what the, we've done with the, the need is build a targeted response. The first stand-down I ever went to had over 1,000 veterans at it, but they weren't homeless veterans, Tom. There was a thousand veterans there, and fifty-six were actually verifiably homeless. And so, what we've done now with what the current uh, salutes we're using is only invite the homeless veterans. I mean, I want all veterans to be recognized. I'd love for Minnesota to have a recognized Veterans Day that could be like maybe an old stand down, and everybody could get a blanket or a can of spam or whatever it is they want. But we now serve very targeted the homeless veterans with housing, with supports, with case management with employment assistance so that we are doing the thing that I am in charge of, right, which is ending veteran homelessness, not making all veterans feel better. So when you do get the homeless veterans there, they're not only getting clean clothes and a haircut and a shave, maybe access to medical care, access to legal to eliminate issues that might uh, have caused them to be homeless, and and then start talking about, okay, where can can we get you a place to live, a place with a door so you've got some security and now let's look for a job. It's a whole series of things that you have to do. It is. It is. And because we have the homeless veteran population there only, we can target all the resources to everybody who who needs it the most. So a one-stop shop when they do come in, you can take care of it right there. On they the do, well, not everybody gets one stop because some people got a few more issues, Tom, than others. But, but for a lot of people, we're getting it done on that day. And, sir, we just got about 30 seconds left, but I understand some of those homeless veterans have joined your team. Uh, yeah, they make they make for very good case managers. People that have people that have lived, lived experience is what it's called in the business. Because then you you know what can work and what doesn't work. We have two two people with lived experience on our board of directors now too, Tom, for that very same reason, so they can offer their feedback as well. And instant credibility with the current homeless. Um, sometimes not always. You know, some Air Force guys are a little bit tougher than others to talk talk about homelessness, but we, we still do it. Here we go, Air Force <laughs> and Army. I knew that was going to come up, sir. We have to take a short <laughs> break. When we come back, we're going to speak more with Neil Lloydolt, the President and CEO of the Minnesota Assistance Council. Of, uh, for well, welcome back to Minnesota, Minnesota Military, Military Radio. Radio. I'm your host, Tom Lyons. We've right been speaking today with Neil Lloydholt, President and CEO of the Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans, and he's also a retired Major General from the Army National Guard. And of course, he he threw one at me there because uh, most of you know I'm a I'm a Vietnam veteran of the United States Air Force. But General, we always provide top cover and we haul you around whenever we can. So we have to work together. Super thankful, super thankful for everything the Air Force does, Tom. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, we're talking about Mac MacV, the Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans, and uh, that your mission is to uh, eliminate veterans' homelessness in Minnesota. In general, I know that. Uh, uh, We've been working at it piece by piece by piece over the years. And last I heard, we're down to two counties. Maybe we're down to one now. 
but the rest of the state is at what do they call functional zero. Can you explain what is that? Uh, you bet, Tom. So uh, we are at, we're, we are at two Hennepin and Ramsey County. We've started the paperwork process, which is, as you might imagine, sort of a give and take between the data keepers and the rule managers and the people who decide to see where we're at in the process and what else remains here in uh, in Hennepin County. And so we're, we're super excited for that. Um, but what functional zero means, Tom, it's a recognition that there will never be actual zero of homelessness. Something could happen to you or I today on our drive home from the radio show, and we could find ourselves in a tough spot and become homeless. So functional zero it means that when homelessness does occur, it should be rare, brief, and non-reoccurring, which means we have a system in place that can house you within 90 days of becoming homelessness. And we are rapidly approaching that in Minnesota, primarily because of some uh, great state funding. The last two years through the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, a a housing program and a voucher program for people that don't qualify for their VA services, we have over the last 18 months housed over half, 50% of the chronic and long-term veterans on that homeless veteran registry. And that's what's making a big difference. And, sir, I know that uh, uh, Governor Walls has made it one of his priorities to eliminate veteran homelessness, and you've, you've worked closely with the MDVA, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and, and I know that uh, Director Kelly, who's going to be on a little later in the show, out at the Minneapolis VA, is, is involved here, too. You've got a lot of partnerships in Minnesota, including landlords, yeah. to try to help you achieve your goals. I, I like to think of ourselves as one of their partners because the federal VA is – Federal VA is a really big player, and they and they know what they're doing, and they have resources for us. And then secondarily is the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs. So we just sort of try to tuck in under what they think needs to happen and help identify gaps and seams where we might put a new program that maybe neither of those two can fit into with our private philanthropy. And you find some financial partners and, and, and uh, as I said, the landlords, if, if the landlords are willing to accept uh, homeless veterans and, and help them give them a leg up. That's been a, a kind of a big push the last few years as well, hasn't it? it? It really has. And that was one of those new programs, if you will, that that fill the gap need, Tom, which is we have a team called the Landlord Engagement Team. They work with the landlord. They work with our team. They work with veterans, not as much, but they work with landlords to help them understand homeless veterans, to help them understand what it takes to retain a veteran for the long term and to hopefully help work through the challenges that happen. I mean, think, things still come up. Things still come up. Sir, it would seem that the, the toughest or most difficult uh, veteran to deal with is one that's already bottomed out. They're homeless, maybe given up. So you've got to rebuild their whole life. But now that you're, you're at functional zero in most of the state, are you trying to catch some of those veterans before they hit the bottom? You're trying to help them before they, they really have the big fall? Yeah, you're exactly right. That's what happens in the rest of those areas, those continuums, is we shift our efforts towards prevention. One of the reasons this declaration of functional zero is so important, Tom, it's not so that there's a trophy or somebody gets to be you know, back on the radio saying they did it. It's because then we can intentionally and knowingly shift more of our focus to prevention because we'll already have this great safety net right, to deal, with, to deal with homeless veterans. If you think about it, think about it like the hospital. The hospital doesn't close its clinical dialysis service because no one's coming in today because there could be someone coming in tomorrow, right? So they have to maintain a set of services for them to be able to be a hospital. Same thing we need to be able to do. But then you can take the resources not needed to use for that and shift those into prevention. And that's what we'll be doing here, you know, over the course of the next couple of years with our MACV strategic plan. So, sir, if any of our listeners know of a veteran that's really struggling and kind of going down, 
Where would you tell them? What what should they do? How should they help that veteran? Contact you? Well, the, the best thing they can do is help contact us. And if that doesn't work, because sometimes, you know, veterans can be finicky and there are privacy issues, you send them to the county veteran service officer. But we have a near live time website now to where if you enter your information in on there, it goes into our intake line. Same thing with our 800 number. So either one of those will have your information in our system in pretty short order. So you can talk to them and figure out what they need and get them to the proper resource to, to help them before they hit the bottom. That, that's exactly what you hope to be able to do, yeah. We're speaking with Neil Lloydholt, President and CEO of Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans on Minnesota Military Radio. Sir, I understand that uh, in December you hosted an incredible winter salute. Can you tell us what that was? Well, you, you mentioned the uh, you mentioned the traditional stand-downs before. So the winter salute was an event at Target Field. It was designed for homeless veterans. It's an opportunity to get services. It's an opportunity to have a meal. There's a little program associated with that. And I can't tell you the number of veterans that have said to me or other members of the staff team, you know, I'd never get the chance to come to Target Field. We're pretty happy. We're pretty happy for this. So, you know, we served over 200 veterans that were either already on the roster, we think could enter on the roster, or that we've been working with throughout that entire, uh, that entire process. So are you going to do that type of thing again this year? Our hope, to, not our hope, it's already on the, it's on the schedule. I, I hope I got the date right, Tom, but I think it's June 27th. It'll be at CHS Field in St. Paul because one of the things about those big stand-downs, one physical location, often not ideal. So instead of making veterans who are having a hard time getting around the way it is, come to us. We'll have, we have an event now in Minneapolis. We have an event in St. Paul. If I find a need to have an event someplace else, well, we'll do that too. Very good, sir. Uh- can you, there's a good news story, I understand. Can you tell us about Trinity House Coffee? Yeah, Tr- Trinity House Coffee is run by, uh, was run by someone that we helped in, in the business. And we, it, it's a really good case because he needed some help getting back into an apartment. He needed some help with, with a double damage deposit. He needed some help with some rents. And then, and then from there on, he, he built his own. He built his own coffee shop, Trinity Coffee. Hey, check this out, Tom. <laughs> That's your bag of coffee purchased just this morning from Trinity House because I was over there. I was over there um, having coffee with Jerry this morning. Ethiopian light roast. Can only get it in two or three other spots, he says, in, in Minnesota. But you know what the great thing about that is? He was telling me his goal is just to continue to serve because he was served so well, not even necessarily by us. And he said the thing he's most proud of, Tom, is that in his location in, what is it, the Wells Fargo building there in St. Paul, he serves coffee to the people who live on the top of the top penthouses, and he serves coffee to veterans walking in off the street who are homeless. And he's pretty proud that he can provide a quality cup of coffee to everybody along the spectrum. And I bet he's having a lot of great conversations along the way. I'm, I'm sure he is. I'm sure he is. You bet. <laughs> well, if you recommend it, I'll, I'll have my wife check it out. You should. Let you, you know how You should, works. or you can share it with your friends, too. But just know that comes from a real-life veteran story there, Tom. Appreciate that. Thank you, sir. The mission continues. If our listeners want to help with MACV, Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans, are you still are you looking for volunteers? Are yep. you looking for money, or what do you what do you need, sir? Uh, well, we need just about everything. So it's www.mac-v.org or 833-222-MACV. You can even find us on Facebook now if you need to, and whatever the other new social media sites are. I like to try to enable people. We, not just me, Tom, to serve however they can. 
some people can give money, some people can give time, some people can give referrals to other people, and some people help us find veterans that we can help. So if it's in your heart to help a veteran, you, you can help a veteran. But I also like to say if this, if this if homeless veterans isn't your business, find one of the other really solid hundred veteran nonprofits out there and you know give your five bucks to them. Because every dollar that helps a veteran, I think, helps all of the veteran service organizations in the state of Minnesota to do better work. You know, General, if you find something you're passionate about and it's volunteer work or donations, it's not work, is it? That's right. Yeah, or it's not work if it's your job. Oh, well, <laughs> you've got one of the best jobs out there helping I, I, all, all your troops. Sir. I do. I do, Tom. I have General, to... we have about 30 seconds left. Any final thoughts? Um, that too. Thanks to you, Tom, for whatever. You're, you're so high up on the sheet now, I don't even keep track of the numbers. You're, the outreach you have done and the programming that you have have delivered to veterans and service members throughout the state has made such a huge difference. It's, it's a great opportunity for people like us to talk about what we do, but also for everybody else that you have in here to help explain what they do. So that's my last message to your viewers. Send Tom a thank you note. He's a, he's a good host, and he's great at what he does. Thank you, General, and thanks for joining us today. All right, Tom. Thank you. That was Neil Lloyd-Holt, President and CEO of the Minnesota Assistance Council for Veterans. Joining me now is Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. Director Kelly, welcome back to Minnesota Military Radio. Thank you, Tom. It's always nice to be with you. Sir, I saw saw part of a notice here on uh, one of your uh, uh, updates that came online, and it said starting March 5th, uh, the VA is expanding health care to millions more veterans, all veterans who are exposed to toxins and other hazards while serving our country at home or abroad, including all vets who served in the Vietnam War, Gulf War, Iraq, Afghanistan, or any other combat zone after 9-11, are now eligible for VA health care. Is there, uh, did Secretary McDonough make an announcement, or is things changing, sir? Yeah, so so this was part of the original PACT Act, Tom, and, and I think many of your listeners will remember that we expanded uh, uh, some presumptive disease, illnesses and diseases related to toxic exposures. And so we did a lot of screening and we identified locations and then diseases. We connected them and then got the veteran connected with the, uh, for, their, for their benefits over at the regional office. So what, what this new expansion is, Tom, is this is referred to as PACT Act 103, is this uh, really uh, expands the, the locations uh, beyond the original, you know, sort of traditional overseas combat zones, and and even includes those areas in the continental United States where veterans may have been exposed to toxic, toxics, uh, toxins, uh, even maybe a training or maybe when they were stationed somewhere. And so, you know, again, it's uh, again, it, it's just uh, the, the the connection still is a toxic exposure. Uh, 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 screen, and then uh, if that happened, no matter where it happened, uh, that veteran is now going to be eligible for expanded uh, health care uh, and benefits. So it's it's a great new expansion that was in the original PACT Act, but the Secretary really accelerated this beyond the original timeline. So he announced that on Monday, and it's, uh, it's on a fast track. Director, I'm reading that it says on starting March 5th, you're expanding the health care to millions more veterans. And it says that uh, they may be eligible to enroll directly in VA health care without first applying for benefits. That's a big change, isn't it? That is that is a big change, Tom. And that's some of the scrambling we're doing here because this is really unprecedented. And so historically, veterans need to get that service connection established through the regional office. Once they do, they enroll in health care and, and we do take it from there. But uh, 
you know, at, at now and for the purposes of this PACT Act expansion, if a veteran uh, contacts the medical center and, and, and wants to get screened, we will schedule them for a screening, even if they're not listed as enrolled or eligible even for VA health care, and then, uh, and then and, and do that uh, and, and, and enroll them in VA health care. Now, we're going to want to connect them still to the regional office in order that they can get their benefits established. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's a bit of a, a, a change and something new to us, but it's really a great new benefit for those veterans who, who will no longer need to you know, get, get uh, established eligibility before they get enrolled if they've been exposed to toxins. So they can contact you and, and get uh, get into you, but then that doesn't substitute for meeting with their county veteran service officer and, and filing a claim. Yeah, I would recommend that. In fact, it's not a bad idea to get a hold of your CVSO even early on to make sure that uh, they can connect you to the right health care uh, contact uh, but, but, yeah, it's, it's new, and I think it's going to be easier for veterans. And, you know, one of the things the Secretary is really focused on, in addition to expanding access and benefits, is making it easy for veterans. And so this is another effort at facilitating that. Director, thanks for joining us again today. Thank you, Tom. It is always nice to be with you. Thank you, sir. That was Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System. We're just about out of time. Thanks for listening to this edition of Minnesota Military Radio. I'd like to thank our guests for joining us this week, Neil Lloydholt from MACV, uh, Lieutenant Colonel uh, Brian Morgan, Second Lieutenant uh, Nicolette Weiss, and uh, Warrant Officer uh, Mark O'Reilly from the Minnesota National Guard's Cyber uh, Coordination Team, Director Pat Kelly from the Minneapolis VA Healthcare System, Commissioner Brad Lindsay from the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, and finally Minnesota's Adjutant General, Major General Sean Mankey. Please join us next week as we celebrate healthcare workers with the VA and talk to a veteran about the Beyond the Yellow Ribbon uh, network in their community. That's coming up next weekend on this station or online anytime at minnesotamilitaryradio.com. I'm Tom Lyons, and I hope that you make a difference in someone's life this week. Minnesota Military Radio is a production of iHeartMedia, the Minnesota Department of Veterans Affairs, the Minneapolis VA, Beyond the Yellow Ribbon, and the Minnesota National Guard. Your host is Tom Lyons, founder and owner of Phelan Partners Limited, a merger and acquisition advisory firm. Tom is a life member of the American Legion, VFW, Vietnam Veterans of America, and the DAV. For podcasts and the latest updates, follow us at minnesotamilitaryradio.com.